Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream, the Supply Chain Buzz. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, Scott. How are you doing? We are doing wonderful. Of course, we enjoyed debriefing with the team this morning on the real star. What, what were we talking about? I can't imagine what <laughs> could be the topic of the day. Well, it was a real star of the show last night, the, the halftime show, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess a bunch of kids found out what their parents were really like. <laughs> West Coast. Well, you know, I'm not going to let out any secrets on Valentine's Day, but I will just say that um, our kids saw their mother, Amanda, uh, as a rap superstar last night because she knew every single syllable of some of those songs we heard. Yeah, I have no doubt. Well, you know, we have one daughter who's old enough to know 50 Cent back when he was thin. Um, but <laughs> hey, we're all getting old. Uh, we all hey, uh, and it, the but, struggle's real, right? Struggles, real. right? But other than that, it was pr- it was quite the awakening for our uh, our two younger daughters, and uh, had to let them know that the '90s called and said, "You're welcome." <laughs> I love that. I wish I'd have been there, but hey, it was pretty entertaining here. And regardless, what an incredible show! That the game was great, but man, a yeah. halftime show, um, you know. Prince gave that legendary performance uh, several years back, and and you saw a lot of references to that last night based on just how good of a halftime show that was, right? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to see uh, what age demographic that they're they're promoting to when you see that many people that enthusiastic about '90s music, '80s and '90s music. Agreed. Right? I love it. So we're not too old. <laughs> It still hit to be square. It still hit to be square for sure. Well, hey, um, really quick, everybody, uh, anyone that's already tuned in, we have a little issue or our our platform has a little issue with displaying Uh comments here today. So uh, if you've already shared some, um, Uh we have not. um, There's a little little glitch uh, technologically. So we're going to work through that. We'll see if the platform, which is our great friends over at StreamYard, we've been using for a couple of years now. They do a great job. We'll see if they can maybe uh, get a fix. Um, uh, while we're still on air, but, uh, just so you know, we're not ignoring anybody here today. Uh, it is a little glitch with the platform. So all that money that hop in got when they bought them, you'd think they they should be able to fix it pretty quick. Don't you think? I I sure hope so. I hope they got a SWAT team, kind of like our SWAT team, but, uh, we just need to have clay call them. Clay (laughs) used to be top of their, their consumer list. That is right. That is right. Um, Okay. So, and, and Catherine, a big thanks, uh, Catherine, Amanda, and Chantel behind the scenes making it all happen today. We just got to note that, yes, uh, the comments still are not coming through. So, hey, we're going to work through and, and hopefully we'll have a fix before the hour is done. But, Greg, before yes. we get into some of the news of the day, let's share just a couple of uh, quick announcements because we've got a busy week, right? We do indeed. Yes. So it's been, uh, it's been a busy several weeks, busy beginning of the year, hasn't it? It really has. Uh, 
historically busy beginning of the year, which is a wonderful thing. So again, today's Supply Chain Buzz, where we share some of the leading stories across global business. Uh, and we, we, we want to hear from you too. So if you can't, if the links aren't coming through, the comments aren't coming through, feel free to uh, uh, hit up Amanda at supplychainnow.com and maybe we can find a different way of sharing your, your POV. Uh, quick Tweet us. Tweet us. Yeah, tweet at us. Tweet at us. Is that a thing? I think it's still a thing. At Supply Chain Now. Yeah, at underscore Supply Chain Now. Underscore Supply Chain Now. Yes. Because we want to underscore <laughs> how important the supply chain is. <laughs> right. We're on a roll this morning already, Greg. Uh, it is. The- I didn't drink anything watching the Super Bowl last <laughs> night, which is why. <laughs> <laughs> it is the morning after the Los Angeles Rams won the uh, World Championship NFL. Um so this week, big week, uh, it starts today, of course. But then on Wednesday, Greg, we welcome in Port yeah. City Logistics and Turvo. Now, Port yeah. City Logistics, uh, we had a chance of, of uh, meeting and connecting with Michael Caney last week. He's a dynamo. The organization is on a roll. Uh, and I can't wait to share some of their story and how Turvo's helped empower their growth and success on Wednesday at 12 mm-hmm. noon, Greg. You and I both. Yeah, no doubt. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I got a, a kind of a neat care package from uh, Michael and his team at Port City. Really? Like a Moron, I left it in Atlanta. So <laughs> otherwise I'd I'd bust out the cap and <laughs> well, put we, that on. We'll hold you to that on Wednesday. But uh beyond the merch, the story and some of the interaction yeah. we're gonna hear about is going to be second to none. And then it gets even better, Greg, because on Thursday, we've got the legendary Dr. Randy Bradley, who's with University of Tennessee, right? Yeah. Wonderful supply chain program. Some there. people may have heard they have a pretty good supply chain school. <laughs> right. And the one and only Guy Croton, Cretan, I think, Cretan. Close right? enough for rock and roll. Okay. Yeah, he's probably used to it. <laughs> I'm going to get that right on Guy Thursday. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to get that right on Thursday, but Guy and Randy uh, are going to bring it as we uh, look, look at the title here, the supply chain Super Bowl, human versus machine. And so we're going to have a very neat, engaging, uh, passionate discussion around the gains digital transformation is making. And Greg, as we've talked a thousand times, all the doors of opportunity that opens for the workforce out there, right? Yeah. I want to know who's paying for that title because you're about to get a phone call from Roger Goodell. That is a great point. <laughs> uh, so on that note, let's just flip really the supply quick. Supply chain, big game. Yeah, let's, let's get that off the screen. Supply chain, big game. Uh, that's a great point there. All right. So let's talk about the supply chain and procurement awards, right? 2022 supply chain and procurement awards. Greg, nominations, nominations, nominations. Nominations are open, folks. Greg. Yeah. Throw that gauntlet down and challenge our our global audience to either self-nominate, you can nominate customers, suppliers, yeah, supply chain exactly. partners, service providers. If you are if you are involved in the supply chain, and you all are, if there's someone you admire or um, do business with that you just feel is unbelievably exceptional, nominate them because this is a global honor and there are nominations in from all over the world. Agreed. All over the world. All over. Every single continent, I think. Right? <laughs> I mean, so far, I think. Agreed. Have we hit them all? I'm not sure if we've hit them all. Uh, we've hit every continent. 
Uh, we've okay. got an executive judge panel that hails from, from all parts of the world. We'll have attendees from globally. Again, it is not, you know, this, this is built on the legacy of some really popular and engaging Atlanta supply chain awards where we were limited, Greg, to folks that had a base of operations in the metro Atlanta area. That's no longer the case. Folks, wherever you are, you can nominate. And we've got nine really cool different awards. It's really something for everybody across that proverbial end-to-end supply chain. So as Greg said, everybody's in supply chain. Y'all get out there and nominate. And a little sweetener is all the nomination fees, $200, is get, gets yeah. donated to our great friends at Hope for Justice, which is on the on the move in the fight against modern slavery and human trafficking. So it's a win, win, win all the way around, right? 100%. Awesome. All right. So let's see here. Let's check on. Uh, well, hey, we've got a great question from T-Squared. T-Squared, hope this finds you well. You hold down to Fort Forest on YouTube. He says, uh, are acad- academicians? Academicians. Okay. Included Academics. in this. He just did that to throw you off. I bet <laughs> it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're, we are including anybody. Um, the awards are really built and the different categories are really built to offer just enough structure so that they're they different um, the non-different awards are, are different but yes anybody is eligible and we'd welcome uh, you to nominate their t-squared great to have you back here today all right we've got a couple comments Gregory um, let's see here and and again the comments are not we do have comments yes okay. the comments are not working well today but I'm gonna read off a couple that the team is posting so dr. Rond is with us today. Happy Heart Day, everyone, she says. Love that. Uh, oh, yeah. Nobody forgot that, I hope. Hopefully not. Um, and if you did, I'm going to be raffling this thing off uh, later, <laughs> later today. It started $100,000. <laughs> right. Right. Cheaper to keep her, folks. Cheaper. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Sophia Rivas Herrera is with us here today. And she was, just a minute ago, she was uh, talking about the real star of the show, the avocados from mexico last night uh and you know there's some supply chain news there as well but sophia great to have you here today um let's see Scott, did you have a favorite commercial did any of them make an impact on you uh the toyota commercial about the two paralympians was awesome i thought yeah boy that'll bring a tear to your eye won't it yeah no kidding um and then there were others yes yeah and one brother did not let the other brother fall back behind That, that was a that was a powerful one and then there was one more in the second half, that I pointed out to my daughter, and she didn't agree. I can't remember what that was. But what about you, Greg? E-Trade Baby. The E-Trade Baby is out of retirement. Did you see that? <laughs> I, did. I did. When they first started that commercial, I was like, that's not exactly the same baby, obviously. Yes. But the E-Trade Baby came out of retirement. Check that out on YouTube really? or wherever it is. It's <laughs> It's a hilarious commercial. It's very funny. Well, we're gonna have to so. we're gonna have to check that out right from the mouth of babes. Good stock advice, I guess. Um, all right. So again, folks, the comments aren't working, but Amanda is giving me Amanda and the team, Catherine are giving me updates on the other side. Peter Bolay, all night and all day, is with us here today. He had quite the spread last night, Greg. He posted about it in Supply Chain Chow on Facebook. We ah, got- very good idea. <laughs> David Glover. Uh, uh, Rhonda, as we talked about, Gene Pledger from North Alabama is with us here today. Mohib is back with us. Uh, Charlie B, uh, David is back with us. Sheldon Rose is back. I uh, love that. All right. Um, Keith Conley 
we, now we ran into Keith Connolly at in Vegas at the Reverse Logistics Conference Expo, and we're going to be interviewing him. He was a he was a, he was uh, I believe, and Keith, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he served as a chief supply chain officer with AT and T, and now he's consulting and teaching uh, at the College of Charleston. We're going to interview him and a couple of his students. So it should be a really cool. And he's just up the street. And by the way, you know, we we talked the other day about the forthcoming uh, Hilton Head um, shipping index, right? Yes. Well, because just up the street is Charleston, I did a little analysis on. <laughs> ooh, can you see that? Just it's a little blurry. Ah, it's not going to focus on that. <laughs> I did a little analysis on Charleston, and while um, and it's, this probably has to do with the amount of traffic. While there is. There are no ships offshore of Hilton Head anchored uh, waiting to go into um, Savannah's Harbor. There are plenty off of off of Charleston. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, I think much more traffic probably going to Charleston than than Savannah. That's the only thing I can guess. But there are plenty. But we're also going to talk about the volume. We are back up here shortly well that is a right wonderful, now <laughs> that's a wonderful segue and folks uh as greg just alluded to now that uh partial part of his home base of operations is in beautiful hilton head we're going to be getting a shipping index so stay tuned uh for what greg white is up to next but he mentioned maybe we'll have to combine them the 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 savannah charleston yes index let's call it that okay <laughs> let's do it that sounds like be more inclusive scott yes uh, and, and that is a great move there, but better yet, we're going to start with some good news here on the supply chain buzz, alluding to what, where Greg just took it with shipping. So I'm not talking about that epic, epic halftime show last night, which was set our team all a buzz, but I am talking about the backlog at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Now get this, Greg, according to the wall street journal, as of last Tuesday, the backlog was down to only 78 ships, 78 vessels yeah. waiting to dock and, and, and offload their cargo and containers. So, yeah, still a bit of a mess, but you got to keep that context. That's down from a peak of 109 ships just a month prior in mid-January. So doing some quick math there, down uh, about 30 vessels. Uh, the backlog's been cleared a little bit. Uh, so, Greg, your take. Could be seasonal. You know, um, we're just coming off of holiday, of course. Also, it it is um, chi- uh, Chinese New Year, so um, you know there's no work going on in China right now. Right, um, just don't know. I don't know that it's definitive yet, but it's it's at least something to look toward. And the number has stopped going down. I don't know if everybody knows this, but they were having ships anchor as far as 150 miles offshore because of the level of pollution that they were putting into the air and the. LA area and anyone who has lived in LA like me knows that that's bad enough no matter what's going on right it makes for a beautiful sunset pollution does make beautiful sunsets but uh, it is hard to breathe though in LA I know there are many people who don't trust air that they can't see so <laughs> so but yeah the- I think that, I think we're I, I believe that we are seeing it come down okay maybe not for good but and maybe only incrementally, but and there is of course some seasonal effect here. But um, any break that these ports get with the additional effort that they have put in place should give them some room to, um, you know, to relieve the 
the backlog. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and great comments there because we can't just take the number in and of itself and say, oh, we're, we're, the log jam's breaking for good and, and, and right. things are going to be just, you know, sunny and, uh, uh, unicorns and, and candy corns, uh, in the weeks and, and days ahead, right? Gotta be, we gotta look at that context. So Greg, that's an excellent point there. Um, I want to remind, I mean, what got us into here was being a bit too optimistic. I mean, yes. on, honestly, this was, let's, we have to face the fact this was a black swan event, but there was virtually no consideration that black swan events could happen built into many, 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 uh, supply chain models. In mm -hmm. fact, I just, I did a, a summary of an article today uh, speaking to that context. We have to cease to see supply chain as a cost-saving exercise and look at it as a risk-balancing exercise. And we always have to have our eye on the risk as the sad but true philosophy that I have around supply chain is assume that everyone will fail you yes. and work to mitigate that. Excellent commentary as always. And folks, you got to connect or follow at least Greg White. Uh, he drops two or three um, supply chain commentary. I, I call it their, their stop you in your tracks uh, <laughs> POV uh, uh, comments and, and articles two or three times a week on LinkedIn. So make sure you find Greg White and make sure it's the Greg White. There's lots of imitators out there. Make sure it's the real deal. <laughs> oh, <they're> really? <laughs> the real deal, Holyfield. Um, hey. So everybody, the comments aren't working still, right? So, so it's a, it's a platform issue. Stream, it's a StreamYard issue, which we love our friends at StreamYard, but a little bit of glitch. And if y'all know LinkedIn, it is constantly updating. So sometimes the plugins don't work well. So we're reading from our production team uh, what y'all contribute. So Kim Winter is with us here today, Greg. Mm. Now, we big shout out to Kim and the logistics executive group, the global team. They have recently partnered with us on the Supply Chain and Procurement Awards and right. um, some great partners there. And Kim's talking about how we sent um, – the U.S. sent a squadron of one of the world's most dominant um, aircraft platforms, the F-22, the Lightning F-22, mm -hmm. uh, from the first fighter wing from Joint Base Langley-Eustis, Virginia. It used to be uh, Langley Air Force Base back in the day, but right. as the co uh, command structure changed, so it's there – to uh, hopefully keep the peace in the Middle East, uh, based on I think the the Houthi um, some some of the um, uh, operations that are going on there um, in the Middle East. So we'll see. Maybe getting a little bit closer to Ukraine, also. Absolutely, that's a great point. Uh, and we'll talk about the impact of what um, uh, of what any Russian action in Ukraine what that might mean for global supply chains towards uh, the end of the show here today. So Kim, thanks for sharing that best, all the best to you and the wonderful uh, logistics executive group team. Jose Montoya is here. Jose, great to see you here. Uh, he says uh, Chinese new year drives the improvement uh, going back to the ports, but the number of number of vessels will increase again shortly is what Jose projects. So the, yeah, Ships are being built at a rapid pace, as a matter of fact, right? Um, you know, one of the things that has led to a lot of this uptick is companies are eschewing some aspects of lean inventory, just-in-time inventory, and now they're building more just-in-case inventory, and that sort of all hit at once. Right. And that impacted capacity on the high seas, and of course, where there is chaos, there is profit. And we know that the shipping companies are making piles and piles of it 
as usual, but especially now. Yep. And they're building ships like they're going out of style, which some of their ships are actually going out of style. Right. <laughs> so on that note, let's keep rolling uh, across the high seas here. And we're going to arrive at what's really a hot investment world of cold storage, Greg. Cold storage. We've talked mm-hmm. about that. Everybody and brothers and sister have talked about cold storage. So as reported by Supply Chain Dive, the Biopharma Cold Chain Sourcebook is projecting global uh, global cold chain spending to grow 24% from 2020 to 2024. Four years, 24%. Now, Greg, that would make it a 21.3 billion dollar industry billion as in bezos now with that in mind dhl is taking decisive action dhl of course the global uh, shipping company is taking decisive action to serve the needs in the market 400 million dollars is what the company is spending this year alone to expand its pharmaceutical and medical device distribution footprint by 27 percent. right so it's growing it's that footprint by almost a quarter over a quarter now, a DHL executive was quoted in this piece by Supply Chain Dive, which is a wonderful resource, by the way, big fans, um, mm-hmm. said that the investment focuses on lessons learned during the pandemic, including just in case versus just in time. And that that discussion has rippled out across global industry for sure. So, Gregory, yeah. I ask you, what do you see here when it comes to cold storage? Well, uh, this is building on something we saw at the beginning of last year, recall that Americold and Linear Logistics both acquired a lot of capacity vis-a-vis other companies with cold storage in anticipation of, um, of storing and, and transporting the, the uh, vaccines. So uh, I, think, I think DHL is prudent. DHL is the German post office or their, their global arm, right? Yep. Um, so they're very analytical, as you might imagine. And they clearly they see a long term future here for this kind of storage, lest they would not be investing. And it's a substantial investment in about 3 million. You may have already said that about 3 million additional square feet of, of storage. And um, that's substantial. You know, DHL is already one of the world's largest companies in terms of of employees and uh, outside the United States, the premier logistics company in the world. I recall 15, 10, 15 years ago, having a discussion with DHL and coming from Atlanta saying, so what do you guys think about UPS? And they said, oh, we don't think about UPS. They're not big enough to compete with us. And I, I was taken aback by that. And at that time, that was true. I'm not sure that it is now, but uh, stunning that they were a, a real education for me that they were that big of a company and that influential in the marketplace. And it continues here. Agreed. Agreed. Um, well, in- interesting. Uh, this is fascinating. Cold storage is a fascinating industry. And uh, we expect to have a big interview coming up soon with a mover and shaker from that industry. Uh, I want to share a couple of comments and we're going to go back maybe to the previous story there, but I'm going to share these. And again, folks, the comments mechanism, the comments machine isn't working. It's a it's a it's a platform issue, uh, higher than than uh, our team. Uh, so above stick our with pay us. Grade. Above our pay yeah. grade. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Mohib, going back to the story a second ago about the ports, uh, he says my take on this is that it is a divine strategy to tip the scale towards insourcing and use of more renewable energy for production. 
So the good Lord is getting involved in clogging our ports. So it's so it changed. Where, where uh, I think you were saying that tongue in cheek, but uh, I think that's a great uh, a great idea, Greg. Yeah, I think so. Though the cost of labor, um, I mean, cost of labor is the reason that we have these far flung supply chains to begin with, and the fact that it is, I mean, companies are already paying ten to 20 times, 10 to 15 times what they were paying for containers. And it's still more economical to do that than to um, use renewable sources and in-source um, goods or production or storage or those sorts of things. So the numbers are far, far apart for mm-hmm. that. Also, um, I read a, an article briefly today that said the investment in purely green companies is declining rapidly and companies and the and investment is going more towards companies that are making energy transition from for instance fossil fuels to the lesser fossil fuels right right rather than eschewing fossil fuels and just going I've used eschewing twice in this show yeah and going work. immediately to lithium or or something that's you know that's arguably more sustainable yep let me see if I've got a dictionary back here. Hang on a second. I've got to find what, what the shoeing means. Yeah, uh, ignoring. <laughs> All right. Something like that. Refusing. Mo- <laughs> Mohib, hope this finds you well, too, in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, yeah. Great to have you here. Shyam. Uh, Shyam nice. uh, Singh says, hey, Scott and Greg, good to see you both sharing your valuable inputs on supply chain cost optimization. Keep sharing knowledge to society. Oh, that, that's one heck of a a comment, some feedback there. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. Sheldon Rose says, I'm concerned about the effect the logjam is going to have on the CCC and PTR of some of these smaller businesses that have cargo stuck offshore. Excellent point there, Sheldon. Somebody needs to explain what yeah. CCC and PTR are for me. So, yeah, uh, the, the acronyms. Uh, yeah, spell those out for us dummies. We Sheldon. love these Thank acronyms, you. right? <laughs> Um, Peter Bollet, going back to cold storage, Peter says, group Robert Robert. Thank you. Group Robert. Thank you. Sorry about about Greg. (laughs) The French gets me every time, man. Well, Um, the only thing that clued me in was the Quebec, the reference to Quebec. So, (laughs) so group Robert. Like those French got a different word for everything. (laughs) Uh, they're building a huge new, I believe that's a cold storage facility in Quebec where Peter lives. Peter, excellent point there. Good good market intel. Ooh, okay. I'm going to pose this to you. This is a good one. So Dr. Rhonda, uh, and be sure to follow and connect Dr. Rhonda. Lots of good yeah. stuff around well-being and and you know, kind of maintaining that uh, work-life balance and and, and beyond. Uh, if just for pictures of Camelback in Phoenix. That's right. Her unbelievable ability to climb it seemingly every single day. Agreed. It's, she's a great follow, but also some great yeah, knowledge on well-being. So she's posing a question to you, Greg. She mm. wants to know your take on the potential political discourse unfolding now. Discourse, meaning the discussions. So it depends on what political we're talking about. Obviously, Ukraine is going to have an impact on oil because we will uh, attack, which I believe is or or let's not say attack. And how pick a, your favorite euphemism for invasion of of Ukraine, which is virtually inevitable at this point, will have an impact on oil prices because we will then 
sanction Russia for for that. Um, and so that that will have a big impact on supply chain. Um, let's see other things. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how the Houthi situation really impacts it, uh, but there, you know, that's pr- probably Russia is the biggest the biggest right. impact. Of course, you know, the president wants to forgive something like one point seven billion a billion dollars worth of. Uh, that's kind of the news. I saw today $1.7 billion worth of student debt, um, but only up to a certain point. So those of you who go get a st- student loan t- after he, he forgives it aren't covered. And those of us who took student loans out in college ages ago, we don't get our money back either. Uh, but I, I think, <laughs> I think the general discourse uh, or, you know, the biggest, most impactful discourse has to be Russia and, uh, the impact of that is substantial um, because fuel prices will go up. Oil will unquestionably reach $100 a barrel. It's already at $93.41 or mm-hmm. was earlier today. Uh, expected to go to 96 during the week and 99 to 100 assuming that something happens in uh, Russia, which, right. it, which will be a spike and then it will recede is what the experts are saying. I, I'm no expert on oil prices. Um, other than knowing that what they what impact they have on my gas prices, right? Um, but I mean, Rhonda, if that's what you're referring to, I think that's that's going to be a substantial disruption, but not for a substantial amount of times. You know, I watch the stock markets and other investment markets as well, and historically, these things have a big spike effect, but not a very long range effect, um, and and usually not. Uh, not a, a huge dip, and it only takes weeks to recover from these sorts of things. Typically, all now, right. They open the door for opportunism, which always occurs when there's a disruption in right in oil. Scott, there's always somebody who's willing to raise the price of fuel on speculation and yes. hold on to that price long after, much like the fuel surcharges we've had since 2008, uh, when fuel was over a dollar higher than it is right now, those surcharges never went away. Interesting that. Yeah. How does that happen? How does that happen? How does that not happen? All opportunism, I, Scott. Right. Tommy so, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that, that was the Greg White political corner. Uh, y'all stop by next Monday. As yeah. Wow. We, that was a little bit drawn out. Sorry about that. No, no, no. Kind of a stream of consciousness. That's good. It's good uh, because it's all intertwined. It's all intertwined. Um, Roger Carr, who is in cold storage, right? Um, No, he's not in cold storage. He's in the kind of the medical supply chain realm. Um, He says medical cold storage requirements for reagents for labs are leading to the storage increase, right? So Hmm. that's an excellent point there. Uh, Sheldon. Is Johnny on the spot? So CCC is the cash conversion cycle. Ah, yes. And PTR is the payables turnover ratio. So naturally, any any cargo getting stuck where you're adding that dwelling time, anything else, of course, these financial metrics and and key uh, performance indicators are going to be skewed. So, Sheldon, excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah. Um, Interesting that a lot of the forwarders are are taking the brunt of that. We've been talking with. Enrique Alvarez from Vector Global Logistics, because we share an office with him, 
for the entirety of, well, of our existence, but also right. during this pandemic. And he has taken on a lot of the brunt of the cash flow cycle himself, unable to charge multiples of the rates that he was able to charge before and also forced to pay sooner than he would have previously. So that's a great call. There's, an, there's an effect on, on um, a wide ranging number of companies and when that happens for sure. Excellent call out. And, and by the way, folks, if you're not connected with Enrique Alvarez and Vector Global Logistics, make sure you look them up. Um, one other quick comment, <clears throat> because comments aren't showing except from YouTube. Uh, so, folks, if you do want to comment on something uh, that we're hearing here, that we're talking about here today, it looks like you can venture over to the YouTube ver version of the stream and comment there because T-Squared is keeping it coming. He's talking about sounds like the price of chicken wings when it comes to opportunism. Uh, opportunism. Opportunism, right? Yeah. Opportunity, no maybe. Uh, but <laughs> price of chicken wings every year spikes around this time of year, right? And in fact, yeah, well, in this year, the big news was regardless of the price, there just weren't enough. Right. And I can tell you that where we went, uh, they did not have the whatever the biggest size is that we usually get. Right. So we had, we had to go frozen this year. We had to go frozen, but you know what? Once you get those, those, those bad boys, uh, thought out and you stick them in the air fryer, which we've come to love. Yeah, man, it is good. Good eating, Greg. I'm telling you that air fryer thing is going to save some American lives as much fried food as we eat and as good a work as it does without oil. Right. Agreed. Agreed. It's going to save my life. <laughs> all right so let's move along well, gosh we're, we're just it's, this is like the baskin robbins edition of the supply chain buds we're touching <laughs> on whatever we want to say right it? all kinds of stuff um so next up i want to save a little time to talk about russia and ukraine a little bit more especially with an expert on russia uh here sit Masami. um so let's talk though about what the wall street journal is reporting as where have all the coffee cups gone? So, Greg, this was this was new for me. You know, we 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 right. I don't buy a lot of coffee outside uh, Starbucks and, and whatnot. We we make plenty here at home, but coffee stores, big and small, are looking high and low in their efforts to find coffee cups. Starbucks, Wetzel's Pretzels, it's a new one for me, uh, but they've got three hundred and fifty units. It's a chain of three hundred and fifty different operations. How about that? Wetzel's Pretzels, hmm. Connie's Chicken and Waffles. I think that's in Maryland. Uh, are just a few of the companies encountering the coffee cup crunch. Say that three times fast. It's a different CCC. So what are some of the root causes? Let's see here. So cups and cups, as you might imagine, cups upon cups upon cups are in containers of plenty stuck in the ports. That mm. sounded almost a little bit poetic. Um, so that's one problem. Uh, American paper mills are working through labor shortages, which is impacting production, as the article points out. And then thirdly, you know, that cold, crazy, unusual weather we had in Texas a year ago? Well, that's a gift that unfortunately keeps on giving because the U.S. market still hasn't caught back up on the resins that, that a lot of industry in Texas makes to make the plastic cups, but also that makes the coating on the paper cups so that ah. that 300-degree coffee doesn't just melt that paper cup away. There's a lining there. So a lot to track here in this piece, but Greg, what say ye? Well, you know what I what was interesting is it's also impacting a particular size of cup. 24-ounce cups seem to be the biggest problem. And I think, obviously, because they take more materials, companies are making more of the smaller cups 
because they can use the same amount of materials and produ- provide a greater amount of cups, cups is the only thing I can figure. But, yep. but you're going to be hard-pressed to fill a venti cup at Starbucks. My suggestion is, if you haven't already bought yourself a thermal cup, Starbucks will make your coffee, or would. I don't know if they still will. I haven't been to Starbucks in years, but Starbucks used to make your coffee in your cup if you brought it uh, to them. So that's an, another way for consumers to adapt to supply chain shortage, like we need another way to adapt, <laughs> right? But Right. Well, you know what? Um, but, I mean, it's, it is a problem. And truth is, labor is at the, is at the root of all of this because... Let's just face the fact that it's not the first time that Texas has had and and these resin plants have had bad weather, right, and had dramatic impact from that. But as every article, we sort of gloss over it, but every article points at labor shortage driving a lot of these problems. And as long as there aren't enough people working, there won't be enough production as automated as we've wanted to make the supply chain and as automated as as we have tried since the pandemic started. It still requires a lot of human beings. And remember, we were 2 million human beings short in supply ch- in fulfilling supply chain jobs prior, prior to the pandemic. In wow. 2019, there were 2 million open supply chain jobs just in the United States out of 44 million supply chain professions. Wow. Well, I would just add to all of that, um, perhaps this is a great blessing in disguise, right? <laughs> Because all of those disclosed, well, no, no, we can't, we couldn't, we couldn't function with less coffee, but we could have less piles and piles, millions of pounds of of cups being thrown into the trash can. So maybe it, maybe this will stick around for a little while and change some of our behaviors, Greg, to your point of reusing that cup, right? And taking it out with you. And just like to some degree, we've seen with water bottles, right? Um, yeah. so we shall see, we shall see. Okay. Uh, Jose is asking if we're going to be at the TPM conference and, uh, Jose, unfortunately we will not be at the conference. We're really, uh, that's a great conference by the way. Um, but we have really, uh, um, activity has been so busy that we've had been very judicious about when to venture out of the studio, so to speak. Uh, yeah. and we hate to miss the TPM conference. Uh, but Jose, we look forward to getting your key takeaways. Sounds like you're going to be there um, from that conference. And by the way, Jose, make sure you drop, well, I guess you can't drop your comments because we're still having a, a common issue except on YouTube. But if you're still on YouTube, drop the link to your live stream there and want to share that with folks. Um, Sheldon says supply chains cannot outperform their physical limitations. Contrary to maybe um, some folks believe that's, that's an excellent point in it, Greg. Yeah. I mean, and the biggest physical limitation they have is the physicality of human beings, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, unquestionably. Uh, Jose says, talking about shortages, how about my cat's food and litter where I used to buy, they are on back order, man, you are not going to have a happy cat. Uh, cat, my cat might be happy. But the house isn't going to be very happy. <laughs> right. You don't have cat litter. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I've never owned a cat, so um, I can't I can't empathize with Jose too well. But Greg, you don't you, even like cats, Scott. Let's just face it. <laughs> make fun of the fact that I even have a cat, which I wouldn't if I wasn't married. By the way, now you know I've, <laughs> I'm not making fun of cats. We love all animals around here, and Gracie was would put up. Would she break my legs if I didn't? 
I loved your cat's name, Shenanigans, Greg. That's Not, what we poked fun that's at. That's totally made up, Scott. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> All right. Hey, a couple other comments. <laughs> alternate facts or whatever we call that. I'm fact checking you on that. <laughs> It was, it was, it was so even worse. Fun. It was Miss Kidders. <laughs> and rest in peace, Miss Kidders. Yeah. That was a good Well, cat. no, no, no. I'm, I'm not willing to give up the ghost on that one. Oh. It was another one. You know, we have coyotes around where we live, and cats will get out of the house no matter mm. what you do, let me assure you. I believe it. I believe uh, oh, it. Oh, that was, oh, gosh, Kiki. That cat was Kiki. <laughs> and he lived a long, a long and dangerous life. I we, can tell you he brought me many, many moles and chipmunks as gifts <laughs> over his years. So we're going and through I your, know he went down with a fight. We're going through your inventory. Long live Kiki. <laughs> we're going through your inventory of cats. Of and, animals, and, right. Yeah, yeah. There's a chapter for each, but I love that. Crap. Yeah, and it's hard to keep track because, yeah, they keep coming. Yes. Three well, daughters and a wife keep the animals coming. Love it. Love it. Okay. Um Let's see. Sophia says, uh, going back to the shortages, that this reminds her of the McDonald's large size fries when shortage. We talking about that. I do recall in that in Asia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Two weeks ago. And by the way, Sophia, I'd love for you, if you're if you're on YouTube, I'd love for you to post your, your av- link to your avocado post earlier today. You know, I saw yesterday, Greg, and I saw it at a glance, that the U.S. has frozen Mexican or imports of Mexican avocados, um, which is in and of itself. That's about all I know there. But what I didn't know is I was reading an article. I didn't realize that the U.S. has only been allowing importing of Mexican avocados since I think '97. Prior to that, I think the ban was put in place back in like 1917. So for 80 years. There were no avocados allowed to be imported from Mexico. Now, I share all that. And I'll get your take here in a second. Because my son, Ben, when he was two years old, this came up last night as we were enjoying some guacamole. When he was two years old and he, Amanda was taking him into the grocery store, uh, he was in the buggy. And she goes, Ben, I've got to get some avocados. And he goes, avocados from Mexico because of that that jingle that's been so branded in his brain mm-hmm. at two years old. That's the first thing that came out. Um but anyway, we'll see if this is a short-term ban. Uh, evidently, um, a inspector um, was threatened, um, and that's what kind of paused the imports. Of course, everything was already in uh, that was being enjoyed and consumed last night. But uh, your thoughts, Greg? Avocados it's, or otherwise? An inspector was threatened. Well, I hope no tequila importers threaten inspectors because where would this country be without tequila? I'm with you. Um, but yeah, I, you know, uh, my wife not only carries her own hot sauce around, but at certain restaurants, she will bring her own guacamole because she feels like many, many Mexican restaurants need a message or need a lesson in guacamole. Really? So yeah. And hers is exceptional by any standard. I got to uh, get some of Vicky's guacamole. I think that uh, the ban originally went into place, probably protectionism, 1917 sounds like the right time frame for that, right? To yep. protect California and some of the other producing states um, for avocados. So, um, but that's interesting. I did not, I didn't read the uh, anything about the uh, the threatening. Yeah, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that that 
the same factions that run illegal contraband into the states also control the avocado trade. Well, I got to tell you, even with our discussion with Mark Holmes with Inner Systems on the buzz a week or two ago with with the one and only Kim Winter, we talked about avocados. I was lost. I, I was just assuming that all the ones that we buy and enjoy all are all are from Mexico. So I didn't even realize some of the history here in the avocado industry, but nevertheless, um, it has been a big part of Super Bowls. Can I say Super Bowl? The big, the big NFL game um, for years now, uh, several decades. Uh, some yeah. of those great marketing inroads. Okay, uh, let's see here. Mohib going back to disposable cups. This is, says once again, nature is telling you to use reusables. I'm with you. Through that, I am with you. Let's see here. Um, and. All right, so folks, we're, we're just working through the comments. Looks like all the YouTube comments are showing up for the most part, but we're still having an issue. That's okay. It'll get rectified. We'll be back normal probably by Wednesday. Um, okay, so Greg. 12, yes, Scott. 1244. I want to move into the final story for today. Let me pull up a couple of items here because uh, over the weekend, uh, we came across a great post and, and really great information from our mm. dear friend, Korai Koze. Uh, with Gartner. Now, this focuses on the disturbing situation that's in Ukraine. I mean, to me, just my opinion, feels like we're sitting on a powder keg, right? Something that can that can really go far beyond just Ukraine. It could be regional or even worse, I believe. I believe. Um, so I think it's a very dangerous situation. But setting aside the geopolitical and the military concerns, right? Setting that aside, because that in and of itself, we could talk for hours. Uh, our friend Korai Kose and the Gartner team have analyzed the potential scenarios and their impact on global supply chain. Now, mm-hmm. a few notes from their analysis, and I can't share. I can only share the public stuff that we saw uh, Korai share. Um, but first of all, I think for important context, all of this depends on the scale of the conflict, right? Um, so that's a really important disclaimer up front because naturally, if it if it scales far beyond just a local incursion, you know, things, the impact change, changes dramatic, dramatically. But Gartner sees, Greg, I'm going to read these off and I'm going to get your take, especially as someone mm-hmm. has studied um, Russia. Um, uh, so Gartner sees key material shortages. Uh, you know, if the conflict does ensue, hydrocarbons, critical minerals, and metals, production capacity uh, impacts, especially in mining and the chemicals and electronics, logistics routes and capacity disruption, including the key ports and routes serving Europe, the Black Sea routes, and all the China ports. Uh, Cybersecurity breaches, which have already been on the rise, they see those activities surging, right? And get this, uh, and and if we can, uh, if we can drop, I'm not sure if our team can get on YouTube and drop the link to Korai Kose's post. That'd be great, so folks can go straight there, and they can also probably find out a way to download this Gartner report from him. But did you know this, Greg? This was new to me. So Daniel Stanton and Chris Peters also shared over the weekend. So neon is critical for the lasers used to make computer chips. And we all know all the issues for years now um, with computer chips and semiconductors. Well, get get this. 90% of the U.S. supply of said neon comes from Ukraine. So truly, supply chain is a global industry, and we uncover examples by the hour. What's your take on all of this, Greg? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, 
I, I'm, I mean, I think the uptick that Corai sees in some of these things is is going to happen one way or the other. Cybersecurity, as long as we are as lax as we are in the states, is going to continue to be uh, an issue. And of course, yes, the mining materials, rare earth minerals, China and Russia run very, very close together, being former joined communist states, um, and and of course, two of the most dangerous dictatorships on the planet. Right. Sorry, President Putin. Um, but uh, I, I think um, there's there's a lot of impact here, particularly around minerals. And of course, minerals go to mining uh, directly, right? When the U.S. was a, a net exporter of these same minerals or, or carbon-based uh, oil, let's just say it, oil, <laughs> Uh, we had a lot less exposure, but the political winds have changed, and and now we must, um, you know, we've we've shut down a lot of our ability to produce, and we're at the women fancy of one of the most corrupt and dangerous human beings on the planet. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it will unquestionably have an impact on it. You know, we certainly have the means to mitigate this at our disposal, including the ability to get rare earth minerals if we will increase our willpower to to seek them out in Texas and other parts of the country where they are available, though not available in the same um, volume, at least not historically, as China. Uh, But yeah, I mean, think about the inability, think about China's motivation and Russia's um, joined motivation to disable us from continuing to advance our technological capabilities in the United States. Right. Right. So there are a lot of reasons for this and the least of which is some breakaway Republic in Ukraine, right? That's great cover for what Russia ultimately wants to do, which is significantly hamper or destroy the United States. Um, but it's not the reason. So it never is. I mean, mm. you know, having studied not just Russian politics, but talk politics in general, the expressed reason is never the reason. Mm. So I think it's interesting that um, Karai and the team at Gartner dug into this with an apolitical perspective, but right. still, I think, ultimately exposing what is at least part of the larger motivation here. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, lots of concern. Lots of concern. Um, I, you know, beyond Ukraine and, and to your point, Greg, it's it's about Ukraine, but it's not about Ukraine to your point. Well, it's not just about the United States. Right. I mean, this, you know, obviously the European countries, every time Russia edges closer, closer and every time Russia threatens to cut off their major fuel uh, capacity, then, of course, these European states uh, are, frankly, they're at the women fancy of of Russia because right. they are such a huge exporter. Russia is such a huge exporter to Europe. You know, um, five years ago or so, I shared with some friends based on some of the conversations, an unusual conversation and some initial military uh, joint exercises between China and Russia. I was like, man, it's going to be dangerous or it's going to be different if those two countries get closer and can get past some of these historical differences. And we saw the meeting that took place just before the Olympics. And we don't want to take this all geopolitical and militarily, but but uh, global supply chain. We've been through a lot the last couple of years. Goodness gracious! If 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 
a regional or worse conflict breaks out, I mean, the game goes without saying it changes dramatically. So hopefully cooler heads will prevail. Um, and, and Greg, hopefully you can make me feel better about that because trade is still important and how commerce takes place is still important. And hopefully those um, factors will help contain any conflict that does happen. But man, it's, I think it's a very dangerous time we're, we're living through right now. Greg, your last uh, word here. All of that said, Scott, I don't disagree that it's dangerous, but first let me say we have to acknowledge history here. I have an uncle who was stationed in Turkey during the Vietnam War mm. who was decoding a plethora of messages from Russia to China during the Vietnam War. So these two companies have been or countries have been working together for 60 years. Right. Basically, they and Cuba were the triumvirate, the um, axis of evil as President Reagan called it, that during the height of the Cold War. So um, it's not new, this collaboration, and it is deeply, deeply ingrained. Mm. Though Russia is arguably not not communist anymore, there's still a lot of the, the dictatorial leadership and, and manipulation of, yeah, of elections and things that get someone elected however many times he's been elected. <laughs> Um, it's a record. So we have to acknowledge that. But the other fact is that this is a different environment. The, the, this will unquestionably impact the United States' ability to lead the world. To what extent, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be news to anyone that the Russians think that our, our current administration is uh, inept and weak-willed. And that's exactly what they're testing, like they do with every single other mm. Uh, new administration that we have because their administration is so deeply ingrained because they, even when Putin is not president, he puts a puppet in through mm. which he rules. And, and likewise does the party in China, the party in China. Remember there is only one. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, they don't have the same kind of dynamics that democracies and, and representative republics like the United States have where the people actually get a say in the government. Mm. Uh, but, but the world, I think, because of transparency, hopefully is coming to understand the danger of these two organizations. And there are just a lot more outlets. We know that we can be energy independent in the States, and we can even provide enough to help some of our allies around the world. We do now, as Michael Avera is saying, right, we're sending a ton, a ton of natural gas to Europe tons, I should say, of natural <laughs> gas to Europe so that they so that they have some um counter some stores the, yeah. when inevitably Russia tries to, you know, put a stopper on things. So really quick, circle uh kind of closing loop here. We've added a link to Korai Kose's post on LinkedIn. And he's got a link to the full report, I believe, there. You may have to sign up for something, I imagine. Might be just for Gartner clients, but regardless, Korai, thanks so much for you and your team. Uh, offering up this perspective in a very, very timely manner. And we're going to, you know, we're going to watch the situation unfold. Uh, a lot of signs have pointed to this week. Uh, we shall see. We shall see. Cooler heads yeah. prayerfully will I, prevail. I, I've watched this for a lot of years. U Ukraine standing or falling, unfortunately. Sorry to the folks who sold us this house who are Ukrainian. Um, it, it's not going to end the world. You, 
Russia and this conflict in Ukraine. They're not even after the entire country. They're mostly after Crimea and a couple of other breakaway republics. So, so uh, all right, you heard it here first. Greg White's analysis. You, you got to come check it out every Monday, 12 noon Eastern time. You, folks, you got to make sure you connect and follow Greg White as well because I love, uh, I tell you, we talk about uh, all the time in your posts on LinkedIn. I, a lot of times I'll comment, preach a little bit louder for the folks in the back. Man, some of that stuff really is so good, Greg. And you're Thank able you. to kind of challenge folks to think differently than how um, you know, how they, they normally interpret news and, and analysis and you name it. So keep the good stuff coming, Greg White. Hopefully there's no disruption to that uh, in industry based on everything um, else we're seeing. You're right, right. So yeah, Sheldon's weighing in too. They won't start anything. Sheldon says during the Olympics they wouldn't do that to China. You know that's a good point. Good point, Sheldon. All right, that is an excellent point. So. Um, that kind of that wraps us up here today on the supply chain buzz. I hate that we had a technical glitch. One of our favorite things to do is share and really amplify your comments. I think, I think we got a lot of them though. That's good, right? I mean, agreed. If if anything, our fellow supply chain practitioners are resilient. So, improvise, adapt, overcome. That's right. Improvise, adapt, overcome. And by the way, big thanks once again to. Amanda, Chantel, and Catherine, who helped us overcome the glitch here today. And yeah, Amanda says, quit apologizing. I'm, I, hey, look, I'm not apologizing. I am, uh, our folks are used to a certain experience and we want to protect that, right? And I want to make sure folks knew that we also, Greg, weren't ignoring. <laughs> hey, Amanda, I got you some chocolates. Okay, come on, <laughs> come on. Don't give me a, don't give me such a hard time. But hey, kidding what? aside, no umbrella. <laughs> no umbrella. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, let's see. <laughs> no, folks, we we one of my favorite parts, our team's favorite parts, is what our uh, folks in cheap seats and the sky boxes contribute on the buzz. We want to hear from you, and so anytime we have a little glitch that prevents us from doing that as usual, I hate it. But hey. Uh, we'll you get know where it fixed. to find us. Yeah, you know where to find us. That is right. Great point there, Greg. Uh, and be sure to connect us to connect with us across social. Um, you got the supply chain now insiders group that we um, are uh, growing activity in on LinkedIn. Regardless, thanks for being here today. All right, so Greg, as uh, double check and make sure. Uh, I mean, <laughs> nothing, nothing in the in the private chat. Uh, Greg, one, I'll give you the last thought here. We, we, we've yeah. run the gamut from the ports to cold storage to the Ukraine situation, you name it, and then some. Your final thought, and then I'm going to call it a day. I, all of these things can be overcome. I mean, that's that's the thing we have to think about. Look, we are inundated with news every day, and and. Last Monday, we took on some really tough topics with Kelly Barner, brave uh, on her part, I think. And, and these are tough topics as well. And when you, when you see an accumulation of this kind of news, it can be overwhelming. But the difference between now, Scott, and when we were children is not that this stuff happens. The difference is every single micro uh, impact is reported. That's the only difference. I was an, a voracious news watcher as a kid, and I know how much of the news we didn't get in the 80s and the 90s, and now we get so much of it. And so much of it, this is, this is an issue, so much of it is 
like my take, it is amateur reported or amateur analyzed. And some of us may not know what the hell we're talking about. So don't take this bad news too much to heart. The world has always been a complex place. It's actually been far more complex and far more dangerous in the past than it is now. Mm. So take heart. Know that there is hope. There is abundance in the universe. And we shall all overcome. Love that. Uh, That is a great note to wrap on. Folks, make sure, again, nominations are open. Uh, Check out supplychainprocurementawards.com to learn more about uh, this very important program that we are leading along with our friends at Art of Procurement and Buyer's Meeting Point. Check it out. Nominate nominate yourself. Nominate a friend. Nominate a supply chain partner. You name it. Um, But folks, whatever you do, um, I want to mention over the weekend, Greg, as we wrap here, I came across an obituary. that I completely missed two years ago. Lorraine Moses uh, passed away mm. in June 2020. And uh, Greg, I th- as we typically challenge folks to, to take action at the end, you know, because it's all about deeds, not words, uh, which is what we strive to live by every day. Lorraine and her husband, Jeff Moses, took a chance on me some 20 years ago as I got out of the Air Force and couldn't find that first job opportunity. I didn't know how to interview I didn't know how to talk about what I did in the Air Force. You know, standard challenges, right? Yeah. And they they offered me a position and then worked with me to, to make sure I was successful. And they took a chance on me when not other folks would. So Lorraine Moses uh, passed away a couple of years ago. And her and her uh, husband, uh, quite the entrepreneurial pair, um, are just salt of their people. And I wanted to uh, share that with all of you all out there as a way of, of saying, hey, folks, we got to give other people chances, right? Even if it's not the perfect candidate, even if they, you know, fouled up on how they answered this question or that that question, we got to look past some of that stuff because it's nonsense, and we got to offer give folks an opportunity to show you what they can do, right? Yeah. And yeah, they'll burn you sometimes, but man. A lot of those times when they come through shining, you know, and you've given them the opportunity, you you got the decision, the power in your hands to to impact someone else's journey. I believe it's it's uh, the onus is on us to do just that. So um, rest in peace, uh, Lorraine Moses and Jeff Moses. If you're watching, I love you and I appreciate how you've impacted my journey. All right. So Greg White, on that note, That's awesome. on that note, challenging everyone out there uh, to be like Jeff Lorraine Moses. Hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.